One of the things I'm so grateful about at Northridge is that God has gifted us with such a high capacity and diverse staff. Seriously, we are spoiled. But when you have such high capacity players, I've learned this over the years, people all around the world want them and, and pursue them. And I tell you, it's really a privilege of another kind, though it always disappoints me when someone from our team leaves us. If they're really following God's call and enhancing the impact that their gifts can have in this world, it makes me proud that God would use us to develop them and then to be able to send them off. Well, such is the case this weekend. Our guest teacher isn't a guest at all. He's on our team, but God's calling him to become the lead pastor of a church down in Savannah, Georgia. And, and I have to tell you, he's the campus pastor of Northridge Brighton. I'm so disappointed we're losing him, but I'm thrilled for what that church is gaining and for the impact of his life. And, and I just think this weekend, he has an unforgettable truth about following God's call and about how God has impacted his life that can mark ours as well. So would you give a big, big hand to a part of our family who's going to go out and lead another family, Chris Crutchley. Well, good morning, Northridge. Um, as Brad said, my name is Chris Crutchley. I mean, I've had the privilege and the honor of the last two years of leading our regional campus, Brighton. And so if you are new to Northridge, we are one church in multiple locations. So hello to Grosil and to my family in Brighton. Man, I love you and I miss you already, but I'm so grateful to what God is doing in Brighton. Uh, he is moving and doing things like never before. And if you are new in Brighton, man, I encourage you, would you, uh, would you just take a look around and, and see what God is doing in the community? And I would ask you to maybe jump in. Uh, what Brad said just a few moments ago about Rooted, would you sign up today um, and allow that church to become your home? And would you, man, just jump into what God is doing, not only now, but what he's gonna continue to do uh, through that community. And it's a privilege to be here today. Um, and the Unforgettable series, I love this series. And as I think through the word unforgettable, I think of things that are not Forgettable, right? So hopefully you do the same. And knowing that today was coming, my wife and I decided that we needed to, a couple weeks ago, take a, a, an adventure with our kids up north. Um, I refused to leave Michigan without seeing some of Michigan's finest places. And so uh, with, a, with a, a group of friends, we, we jumped in the car and we drove up north to their cottage and we went and explored Michigan. I went and, and saw Mackinac City, saw the Mackinac Bridge, I drove over the Mackinac Bridge into the UP. We parked the car and I put my feet on the ground to say, I've been in the UP. And so we did it, you know, it was, it was awesome. We let the kids play in the water on the, the Lake Michigan side. We looked for these little stones, which I, I don't believe exist because we looked forever and there were, there were none, um, zero. And so I think you guys are making them up and selling them slowly, um, but that's fine. So we came across the bridge again, back on, you know, Mackinac, and then the next day, um, we went to Traverse City, and we let the kids swim in, uh, in the bay, and then we had a wonderful dinner, and then we went to Moomers for ice cream, and yeah, no kidding, yeah. You know, I, I decided this, that all good days end with ice cream, all right? And so, I mean, like, it was just a wonderful, awesome time, and then so our third day, uh, we decided to go to, to Torch Lake, no kidding. And I have realized I have been missing out on something for two years. 
Uh, for two years, I did not know that this, this lake existed. This Caribbean-style water was in the center of Michigan. And so we spent the day there. They had a boat. We pulled out on the, in the sandbar, and I got my kids out. Jude's too, put on a life jacket on him. And for six hours, he played in knee-deep water. And it was just amazing. It was, it was literally unforgettable. But as we're out there, um, a, a boat um, out of the hundreds that were there started singing and playing this song from Kid Rock called All Summer Long. And it... It talks about uh, you know, being a kid in northern Michigan and splashing in the, in the sandbar. And I'm standing here listening to the song realizing that this is what he's talking about. Now, we didn't do any of the other things that he talked about in that song. <laughs> but we did splash in the sandbar, and that's it, you know? It was, it was literally unforgettable, though. And so what a blast it was to see Michigan. And just being honest, it's truly going to be, it's, it's hard. It's, it's genuinely hard to leave this place that we call home. Um, but God is taking us on a journey, and I want to teach you this unforgettable truth um, that he began to teach me a long time ago. And this, this, this truth came to us by way of question. And the question was this. Will others tell your life story as unforgettable? I just began to process this question quite a, quite a long time ago. Like, hey, will others tell your life story as unforgettable? This question really began to resonate in my life um, when we had children. When, when Eli came into the picture and I realized I had a little me following. I had this, this child, you know, that was following in my footsteps. And as Jamie and I, my wife, we began to read scripture and teach them the Bible, and we began to see this disconnect between the stories of those who follow Jesus in the Bible compared to our life. I want to raise my children with this idea that following Jesus was an, an adventure like we see in the Bible, that Jesus would take you places you've never been before. He would, he would show you things you've never seen. He would do through you things that you thought was impossible. And I, I wanted my children to experience this, but the problem was that our life didn't look like that. You know, in fact, our life looked the, ex the exact opposite. Our life looked safe. Our life looked well-planned. One could say it looked predictable. And I wasn't okay with that. I didn't like teaching my children these stories of these adventures and these people who risk everything to follow Jesus. But then my life communicated to them that we're, we're safe and we're, we're well-planned. And so Jamie and I began to pray. Hey, God, would you... Would you give us the opportunity to live out the life that we see followers of Jesus live, not only in the Bible, but even before us now and in history? Would you give us the opportunity to live this unforgettable life? So as we prayed it, immediately my mind comes under attack with all these thoughts, these, these questions about this prayer. As I ask God for the unforgettable journey, the unforgettable experience of trusting him and following him, I start having these concerns, these fears, these questions that start off like this. Well, Chris, how will you know, how will you know that the journey that you're going to embark on is God's will, not your will? Have you ever experienced that before? Have you ever been faced with a choice and you immediately begin to question, like, is this the right choice? Like, am I supposed to do this? Like, that's what I was facing. You know, like, God, how do I know that what I'm about to do or the choice I'm gonna make, how do I know that this is actually you, not me? 
I mean, I hear about people like me when it comes to college. How do I know which college do I go to? Am I supposed to marry this person? Are we supposed to buy this house? Am I supposed to take this job? Are we really supposed to move our children, our family, 700 plus miles away from everything that we've ever known? Like this was the question. This was the wrestle in my my spirit, my soul, my mind when I began asking God for the unforgettable. And it was in this time that God just spoke to me through my personal time of studying the Bible, a simple truth. A very simple truth that, man, had major impact. And it was this. Chris, God's direction will always demand your obedience. Let me say it to you this way. God's path for your life, God's direction, his will, his calling, his plan for unforgettable will always demand your obedience. Great. I'm gonna have to obey you, God. But what does that mean? I'm glad you ask. Um, Because he teaches it all throughout the Bible. But in one place, he combines it all together. And so today we're gonna jump into Proverbs, book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, a a book all about wisdom. Uh, Chapter three, verses five and six. And we are going to stay right there the whole morning. So it's gonna be easy. We'll get out in about 15 minutes. You guys can have an early lunch. No one clapped. Okay, well, I'll go another 30 minutes and then you guys can get out. So Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We love the last sentence in this verse. We love, he will make your path straight. That's the promise. The promise is that he's going to take us on this unforgettable journey. He's going to make our path straight to what he thinks is best. But just as I told you earlier, and I'll tell you now, God's promises, his path, his unforgettable experience that he has planned for you will never be void of a request for obedience. And so he says, I need you to obey obey me in three areas for your path to be made straight. He says, trust me. Lean not what you know, not your understanding, and acknowledge me. Let's let's break these down a little bit. Trust. Trust me. He picks the hardest one first for us. Trust is just something difficult because in our culture, in our world, trust is not something we just freely give away. We don't just walk up and be like, oh, I trust this person and give everything to them. No, no. Trust in our day and age, in our culture, trust is relational, which means it's earned. And this became very true to me in sixth grade. In sixth grade, I made a really wise choice. That's a lie. I failed a pop quiz um, that a teacher gave us on a Friday afternoon. Didn't study, didn't read, completely unprepared, failed it. Luckily, the whole class did. And so the teacher, being very kind and generous, said, I'm gonna send you home with a quiz. You study over the weekend, and on Monday, I'll give you the same quiz. Being the smart young man that I was, I completely forgot about that quiz when I walked out the door of the class. Did not study that weekend, and Monday morning was caught off guard when I realized, oh my gosh, I have a pop quiz at the end of the day. 
I quickly begin to scramble, thinking through, like looking through my book bag, where was that quiz that I failed and was gonna look over it when a friend of mine shows me that she went home and studied. In fact, she marked out all the wrong answers and put in the right answers in all these columns. It was 20 questions, multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. So I quickly grab a blank sheet of notebook paper and I write down one through 20 and I write down all the correct answers that she had worked so hard to get. And I begin for the rest of the day memorizing one through 20, all those letters. You've done it too before, I'm sure. I was preparing to cheat. And I had, by the end of the day, 20 letters memorized. In order, I'm gonna ace this quiz, no sweat, we'll just keep on going, right? So I sit in the class at the end of the day, she sure enough sits that quiz, that blank quiz, identical to the one that she gave us on Friday in front of me. I'm going to get 100, like I'm so excited. I open up my Nike Velcro uh, binder, like, you know, like, did any of y'all have those? I'm not that old, I don't think. Open it up to get a pencil, and I didn't know that my teacher was over my shoulder, and as I get the pencil out, she sees in my notebook this sheet of one through 20 with all the answers, and she picks it up, looks at it, and realizes what it is, takes my quiz with a red pen, marks a zero, and walks away. Oh gosh, I'm in trouble. My mom's an educator also, so she proceeds to call my mother and tell my mom what I've done, and I get home to meet my dad, and my dad gives me a consequence that teaches me a life lesson. He said, son, we're not gonna ground you. We're not gonna take anything away from you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. And he said, son, I want you to know that you've, you've lost your mom and I's trust. It was at that moment that I realized that, that trust is something that can be given, but it also can be taken away in our culture. You know, I'd lost the trust because of my failure. I lost their trust because I cheated. I did it the wrong way. And in this world that we live in, that's how we see trust. It's something that's given when you earn it and it's taken away when you don't deserve it. And then when God asks us, hey, will you trust me? We place what we've experienced in the world on him. God, you haven't earned my trust yet. So when he asks for my trust, we look at him and say, well, why don't you show me, God, what you're wanting? What's your desire for my life? Let me see a glimpse of it, and then I'll begin to evaluate it. This is what we do with trust, because trust is so difficult. We begin evaluating what God has. Mm, you know, God, I kind of like the direction you started, but I don't think I like where it ends up. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my own plan. I'm just gonna do what I think is best. And this is immediately how trust works with God. And he's like, listen, I don't, I don't want you to like, try my plan. I want you to trust me with everything. I don't want you to evaluate what I'm doing and what I have planned for. I want you just to simply trust me. I'm not trying to earn it. God has never done anything to not deserve it. In fact, he's done more than enough. He has proven himself faithful time and time again. But because of culture, we don't just simply trust. We evaluate. And then we start speaking in our own thoughts. We start taking what we think he's doing and basing upon our understanding and what we think is best. And then we start, well, God, I'm gonna negotiate with you a little bit. And God knows this. He knows how we think. And so that's why he follows up, trust me with all your heart, by stating the next statement. And lean not on your own understanding. 
He's saying, Chris, don't trust in what you think you know. Because when you begin to trust in what you think you know, when you begin to lean into your own understanding, what you're doing is you're removing your trust from me and placing it in yourself. And let's just be honest this morning. When I start placing my trust in myself, I start developing a very safe life. You know, God, what you're, what you're revealing in this few steps is a little risky. I don't know if I like where you're taking me. And I think it'd be just better if I do this. Like when we start leaning in our own understanding, we literally take trust away from God, put it in ourselves, and we start developing this safe life. That's exactly opposite of what I was reading in the Bible. As I was teaching my kids these stories of old, these, these, these history lessons of the Bible, but yet where we see God do crazy things, we see him go to this guy named Noah, and he, Noah, I need you to build a, a boat, and I'm teaching my son this, like, and he just did it. Like when it didn't make sense, like when, when it had never rained before and he's not just building a little like fishing boat, he's building a, a cruise ship and it's gonna take on like all these animals and, and I see Noah simply obey. He just simply takes a step and trusts God. It's like he, he trusts in the process. I'll build it, God, and then I'm gonna trust you to bring those animals. I'm gonna trust you to bring the rain. I'm gonna trust you to provide. I'm gonna, he just started the process. I look at stories of Esther. As I teach my little girls, like, there's this little Jewish girl who's just living a normal life when God steps in and says, hey, I want you to marry the, this, this king and I want you to become his wife. And listen, I just want you to trust the process to go from a normal, everyday Jewish girl to the you know, king of King Xerxes. Is, that's, that's a big jump, but just trust the process. Don't lean on what you think you know. Just trust me. And, and listen, in, in just a little bit of time, I'm gonna ask you to make yourself known that you're, a Jewish, that you're a Jewish follower of God. And when you do that, you're gonna save the whole nation. I don't see Esther going, well, you know, God, I think it'd probably be a little better if maybe, maybe if you would, not maybe this king, but this king. And then, you know, she doesn't negotiate. She simply trusts. And then, and then my favorite stories to teach my kids are the disciples. These, these ordinary, normal, uneducated guys are approached by Jesus and he says, follow me. And they leave behind everything. No strings attached and they, they follow him. I see these people literally just trust God and they, they leave behind their understanding. They leave behind what they think they know is best, what they consider to be true of their own personal lives. They leave it all behind and simply follow God. You know, I think one of the principles that are taught in today's culture that I would see is this close, most tangible way for us to understand this idea is taught by a guy, guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. He's a financial advisor and he teaches this principle in a, in a financial context. Um, and he says it this way. The principle is you must live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. And he's, he's teaching you, listen, you must live in opposition of what the world is speaking to you. You must live differently than how the world is living so that later in life you can live differently than how the world is living. And, and that principle is so true because our influence is so tainted by the world around us. It's literally tainted by it. Like everything that we think of is influenced by the world around us. And he's saying, listen, you've got to live differently. I, I mean, I think about it all the time. When I drive to work, I pass by some really nice homes. 
And, you know, they got some cool toys in their yard. Maybe they have a new zero-turn riding lawnmower. I'm like, you know, I think I need one of those. My lawnmower's not big enough. That one, though, mm, you know? Or I drive by someone's truck. I mean, I have a nice truck. I love my truck to death, but I see a nicer truck, and I'm like, hmm, you know, maybe I should upgrade. Like the, the world is constantly communicating to me, this is what you need. This will make your life better. You should do this. And God's like, no, don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, and I see it in simple ways. Listen to this. Uh, taking my kids uh, to uh, a place to play, a, a playground, uh, the, the mill pond in Brighton, to school. I see all these other kids, and they're wearing like Nike and Under Armour and all these, you know, name brand clothes. And I'm looking at my kids going, you know what? I think, I think you'd be better off if I bought you name brand clothes. Like, I don't know if Myers and Target are gonna cut it anymore. I'm so influenced by the world around me. And God's saying, listen, don't, don't trust in what you understand, what you know, because you're influenced by the wrong people. Trust in me, lean in on me. I'm like, God, how do I do that? Like, like literally, I mean, when Brad takes the stage and he has an Apple Watch, I'm like, God, I need Brad's Apple Watch. Like, it, it never fails. How do, I, how do I focus on what you're asking me to do? How do I keep from getting distracted? And he says it as he finalizes verse five. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge me. See, this is a combination. There's three pieces of obedience that when put together, we get the outcome. He says, acknowledge me. He says, don't get distracted. Don't get disconnected. You ever, um, you ever had a, a remote? That, I don't know how this happens, but your batteries get like corroded in the remote. And one day it works, and the next day you're like, it doesn't work. And you, you got batteries in it, you open it up, and you see it's like there's this corrosion, like something's growing on your batteries. Anybody here? Just me? All right, cool. Um, no, it's like the battery became disconnected. It, it lost contact and it stopped doing what it's supposed to do. And that's the same thing God is teaching us in this all your ways acknowledging. He's like, listen, if you, if you get distracted for what I'm asking you to do, if you start leaning in on what you think you know is best, you'll become distracted and sure enough, you'll get disconnected. And I promise you this, you'll be on the wrong path. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Okay, God, how? He's like, man, stay connected to me. These are my words to you. Daily, come talk to me. Come read about what I'm doing. Come read about what I did. Come, come listen to me. Let me tell you what I can do. He's telling us to connect to him. And as we spend time in God's word and in prayer, in conversation with him. So listen, you'll be focused on me. You'll, you'll, you'll trust in me when I ask you to take a step. You'll lean in to me instead of the world. In fact, you'll see the world differently when you read what I'm doing, when you see what I'm capable of, when you see what I did. You'll lean into me not the world. You won't be distracted because you've spent time with me. Like there's this threefold piece of obedience. And I love, I love this part about acknowledging, this part about staying connected because it's what holds it all together. When you're facing this circumstance or this situation, you feel like God is maybe beginning to ask you to do something and you're like, oh God, I don't have a clue what this looks like. And, and, or he's, he's showing you maybe there's something new coming into your life 
maybe it's foster care, or maybe you're contemplating you know, public school, private school, home school, or a new job. Maybe you're contemplating a new community or you know, a new, you know, new job or moving, whatever it may be. You find yourself in this situation. He's like, listen, I just need you to do three things. I need you to trust me. I need you to, to lean into what I'm doing, not what the world is doing. Don't, don't lean on what you think you know and acknowledge me daily. And he promises to make our path straight. But what I find so amazing about this, this passage of scripture is what the writer um, communicates without communicating. What he says with, without coming out and saying it. It's assumed that as God makes your pasture, it's assumed that the reader, that the follower of Jesus is actually walking the path. But you see, for so many of us, including myself very often, very often, we miss the unforgettable because we refuse to move. So many of us approach God in this standstill posture of, hey God, you show me where you want me to go and I'll trust you and I'll lean not on my understanding and I'll acknowledge you the whole way, but you've got to give me a little bit more of the picture before I take a journey on this destination. And we just plop our feet and we don't move. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that's not how God works. In fact, if he were to show you the whole picture, that wouldn't be trust. And let's just be really honest. If he were to show us the whole picture, we probably would not go. He's asking for us to trust him one step at a time. Jamie and I say it this way. He's asking us to trust him in the process. You know, when we took the uh, interview, or when we were thinking about Michigan and Northridge Church, when that first came across our path, I'm not gonna lie, Jamie was like, we're not going to Michigan. But God said, trust me in the process. All right, we'll talk to those people in Michigan. We talked. Man, we really like those guys, you know, and... Then we interviewed, and interview led to interview, which led us to come and interview here on site, and we felt like God was moving us to move here. We trusted him in the process. In the very beginning, it was more of, we ain't doing this. But isn't it amazing that when we trust him with little steps, he moves us along the pathway, and we look back and we realize, wow, I have no clue how I got here, but man, God, I'm so glad you brought me this way. You know, about a year ago, um, a similar situation happened where God demanded me to trust him. He required obedience of me. He was going to ask me of me, but he was not going to show me the outcome. Because if I saw the outcome, I would have never chosen the path. Uh, my sister called. I have three younger sisters, and they came to me, my family, through foster care. Um, they came uh, roughly ages 9, 11, and 12, or 9, 12, and 13, somewhere in there. <laughs> I do know their ages, but I don't remember their ages then. But they came to us via foster care. Um, and the middle sister out of the three was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth in high school, her senior year, she fell into some addiction issues, which led her into a seven-year journey of an addiction with heroin. And about a year ago, she called me out of nowhere, hadn't talked to her in a long time. And she was like, hey, I need some help. And I remember thinking, as I naturally do, of all the ways in which she was asking for help. I immediately started thinking, well, I can't pay for a rehab facility and you're not gonna come live with me because I don't know what you've been doing. 
Like I began like processing months and years down the road based upon her just simply asking for help. And I remember God really, during some study time, reminding me, hey, Chris, I'm not asking you to do that yet. Could you just trust me in the process? Could you just offer to help her? So I remember calling her back saying, hey, I, I can help. What do you need? She's like, I need a rehab facility. So we both began calling places. I'm calling places all over the world. Here in Michigan, especially in Brighton, I'm calling everywhere I can think of to find a place. And I'm, I'm like not finding anything. I'm calling her, hey, I, I found some places, but I, I can't afford it. Like, I can't do this. And she's like, well, I can't afford it either. And you know, just as literally I'm getting ready to like lose hope, like it's a lost cause, she calls me. She's like, hey, uh, is there a place near you called Grand Rapids? I'm like, yeah, there, there is. She's, you're not gonna believe this. She said, but they're giving me a full scholarship. I'm like, okay, all right, God, you know, like slow steps. She's coming to Michigan. So sure enough, she comes in late June, early July. And when she gets there, I, I get a phone call from a counselor. She said, the counselor's like, hey, you're the only family near her. Would you be on a weekly phone call with her with me as we process through her recovery? All right, God, I can do that. That's a, that's a step I can take, so I take that step. You know, three, four, five weeks into the program, the counselor begins asking me about, she's gonna graduate in a few weeks. You know, she's gonna be sober for you know, six weeks or two months. Like, what do you think we should do? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. What do you think we should do? She's like, well, she doesn't need to go home. You know, what about your house? What, what do you mean my house? You know, like, she's like, well, you think she could live with you? And I, here I go again, God, I have kids. You know, she's... She's seen the world that I've never seen. She's experienced things I've never experienced. And I don't want my kids. No, God, I can't. And God's saying, listen, just offer her a home. Just offer her a home. Jamie and I prayed about it. And sure enough, okay, so we offer an invitation. Hey, we want you to come and live with us. She accepts. She moves in. She lives with us for six months. Uh, we were getting ready to celebrate six months recovery. We decided we were gonna all go home for Christmas um, and celebrate um, and celebrate her and let our family be around her sober. And we, we had a pretty detailed plan. This was her first trip back home and home had triggers abundance. So we had this schedule about where she was gonna be, who she was gonna be with and when and, and how. We, we, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I was tracking her location, everything. And we had about a 45 minute gap in our, our schedule and she relapsed. And she died. I did her funeral three days later. And I stand before you today to tell you this. Unforgettable doesn't mean epic. It doesn't mean prosperity. It doesn't mean wealth or riches or even blessings. Unforgettable means that you have a God who loves you and will walk with you through some of the hardest, most difficult things that life will throw at you. You see, if God would have approached me a year before that and said, here's what's gonna happen, Chris. She's gonna move in with you and she's gonna recover. And then out of nowhere, she's gonna relapse and she's, you're gonna lose her. I'd have been like, no, that's a messed up path. That's not anywhere near straight, God. And I want no part of that. But, but God's, all God asked me to do was to trust him in the process and to lean on 
not what I know, but what he knows, and acknowledge him daily. He allowed me six months to pour out my love and affection to my sister, to tell her how much I love her and cared about her and how so excited I was and proud of her. You see, the day before she died, I was able to hug her and tell her how much she meant to me. And I wouldn't give that up for the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I keep thinking about what I would have missed out on if I would have chosen not to trust him. I'd have got some phone call that they randomly found her. But no, I got to be with her. I got to, I got to pour out my love for her and she got to change my life forever. She'll never know the impact that she had on me or my kids my family. Unforgettable doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean epic. It means that you have a God who loves you and knows what's best for you, and if you will trust him, he will lead you to something amazing, something unforgettable, and here's what we learned. The destination is not what's unforgettable. It's the path that he takes you on. Let me ask you this. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been living a life where you would say safe and predictable. In fact, you would say this, I don't even trust Jesus. Maybe this morning you're here and you're like, all I've done is trust myself. I trusted what I thought I knew it was best and it hasn't gotten me really far. My life is safe, predictable, well-planned. Let me ask you this. Would you take a step? Would you trust today about placing your faith in Jesus? Would you take a step in trusting him with your life? Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, man, I, I, I want to live this journey. And not that it's gonna be epic, but I want to know that there's someone with me who's guiding me, who wants what's best for me and has hope for me. And when I experience something that's, life altering, that's devastating, that's, it changes the demographic of my life, that I can put my trust in him and know that he's walking with me. If you're interested in placing your trust in Jesus today, it's very simple. In fact, I'm gonna say a prayer in just a minute. And I'm gonna ask you to, just to simply repeat the words of my prayer. Make the words that I say your own words and say this. Let's, if you wouldn't mind, just bow your heads with me as I pray this. If you wanna place your trust in Jesus, say this. Jesus, in, in your heart, I want to trust you. Please forgive me for doing life on my own, for trusting in myself. Help me to trust in you. Thank you for dying for me that I may live in you. In your I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and let us know? Uh, walking with Jesus is not meant to be done alone, and we don't want you to do that. And so if you would simply let us know by texting the word Northridge to 313131, someone from our team will follow up with you and begin walking with you on this journey, on this next step of following Jesus. And this is, this is my application for you. For so many of us in the room, we've missed out on the unforgettable simply because we've chosen to stand still and God's saying, I need you to move. Maybe this morning you need to 
take a step. You need to start walking in a direction towards something that maybe God is calling you to, he's revealing to you, he's showing you, instead of standing and waiting on him to give you a full picture. And I'm like, I've written down some ideas of what this might look like. Uh, just to kind of give you a, a, maybe some, a, a starting uh, direction. Maybe there's this job that you've seen. Maybe it's at your organization or it's a different organization and you see, man, I have potential for that. It could be a benefit for my family. It could allow my spouse to stay home if she wanted to. Could, there's something about this job that's out there, but you keep saying I'm not qualified and so you haven't applied. Maybe you need to take a step and apply. Maybe you've been saying yes to, or saying no to something you need to say yes to. You need to start saying yes. And as I wrote this out, you know, it's funny, thoughts kind of find their way into my head and the thought that came into my mind was maybe you're single here this morning and you don't wanna be single, you wanna be married, but yet you've refused to use like a dating app. Maybe you need to say yes and do something different. Try. In fact, that's my next point. Maybe you need to try something that you refuse to try. Do you have a relationship in your life that's been broken and you just refuse to try to mend it? Maybe you need to reach out to them. Maybe you need to try and take a step towards the men's. Maybe you need to step out of your comfort zone. Do something you've never done. Because hear me say this, it's a guarantee. Your life will be forgettable if you refuse to move. Your life will be forgettable if you refuse to take a step and follow him what he's asking you to do. You must start walking and then trust the process. When the door opens, walk through it. If it closes, just keep walking. Trust the process and don't, don't lean on what you think you know. Don't, don't try to get 25 steps ahead of God. Like, well, God, I think this is gonna happen. No, no, no. L leave tomorrow to him. Don't worry about what's tomorrow gonna hold. We can't predict tomorrow. Don't trust what you think you know. Trust him and then acknowledge him. Read his word, pray to him. In fact, as we end today's service, I wanna give us all an opportunity, including myself, as a way of acknowledgement to him by declaring that we're gonna trust him. In fact, if you would, in all of our auditoriums, uh, would you please stand with me? Uh, working for a church, there's been a couple times in my life where I've realized on a Sunday morning, standing or sitting in a, in a chair just like yourself, that I had forgotten to worship God the whole week and since last Sunday. I worshiped him last Sunday, didn't do any worship the rest of the week, and then I worshiped him again Sunday, and I was pretty upset with myself. So this morning, I wanna give you a first step through worship of acknowledging that you're gonna place your trust in him. In fact, our worship team's gonna lead us in a song that declares that, God, we're gonna trust you. Even when I don't know the end, even when I don't know the outcome, I'm gonna take a stand, I'm gonna take a step towards trusting you in whatever you ask me to do, God. Even when I, I don't know how it's gonna end, I'm gonna trust you. So let me pray for us. Jesus, my prayer for our church is that we would trust you. That God, we would live this unforgettable life, this unforgettable journey, not because you showed us the way, but because we decided to trust you along the process of following you. And God, as we trusted you and, and leaned into who you are, not what we thought we knew, and as we acknowledged you the whole way, God, you revealed to us on this path this unforgettable journey that you were showing us. And that God, we looked back on our life and we saw all these moments that we would never change because they were unforgettable because you led us to places that we had never dreamed of going. 
we did things we never dreamed of doing. God, we saw you move in and through us in ways that we didn't think were possible. Jesus, may we be a church that trusts you with our lives. We love you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I will trust you I will trust